Esther chapter 6. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Genesis chapter 6. And uh, in the beginning point, everybody, uh, you know, people that were here early asked me the question. My kids asked me, Dad, why are all the pieces of paper on the floor? It's a discussion starter. No, it's not. Um, before we jump in, what I would like you to do is grab a piece of paper um, that's there. There's pens uh, in the seat behind you. Or if you want to go the electronic route, pull out your phone. You can, you can use your phone if you want. But I want you to write something down. And I want you to actually write it down, whether you do it electronically or whether you do it on a piece of paper. So go ahead and grab a piece of paper. You can use whatever piece of paper. I don't care what you I just want you to write something down. That's all. Okay, you ready? Ready. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd write you, I want you to write down the first thing that comes to mind when I say Noah and the ark. First thing that comes to your mind. Go ahead and write it down on your paper. You don't have to share with your neighbor. You can, I guess. And just go ahead and keep it. Um, we'll come back to it later. Okay? We'll come back to it later. Okay? So uh, just kind of a review. We've, we've been, uh, we're, we're, we're doing this series on Genesis, but from a broad level. Um, and part of this is because one of the things that we're trying to do is learn about who God is, um, and part of learning about who God is is also learning about who we are as people, okay? And so this week, um, those of you who know me, you know that I'm a, a visual person, and I try to come up with visuals, and so um, the visual that I'm going to use for humanity is uh, this. I went into the nursery this week, and I, um, we're going to let this represent Men, women, children, everybody, humanity, okay? And the problem with God is you can't come up with a visual for God. We're not supposed to because God is God. Like there's no visual for him. I mean, Jesus Christ is God. He represents him. Um, but uh, so, so, and I'm sharing that because, you know, we went in Genesis 1 and we talked about God, who is the creator, he made everything out of nothing, something that he can do, but we as people can't do that, okay? And so Genesis chapter 2 goes into more detail of God's creation of Adam and Eve and humanity and the high value that God puts among all the other aspects of creation there's no other part of God's creation, not angels, that bear the image of God, except, go ahead and point to yourself. Say, I bear the image of God. Look to your neighbor, you bear the image of God. Very good. 
And so last week we looked at Genesis chapter 3, and uh, it's called the fall, or if you want to say it's the, uh, you know, when Adam and Eve rejected what God said and they went their own way. And the effect of that on humanity is life becomes a mess. And we're not going to look at Genesis chapter 4, but that's where this first family that has sin, you know, there's murder that is a part of it. Um, and again, we're not, looking, we're, we're not going to get into that, but chapter 5 um, goes through a bunch of genealogies. And, and, and frankly, about centuries go by, probably about 1,500 years go by from Adam and Eve to uh, Genesis chapter 6. Okay? A lot of time goes past. And you might say, well, Steve, how do you know that? Well, if you count the generations in Genesis chapter 5, it's way more than just two pages worth. Okay? We're talking about centuries um, that, that are going on here. And so let me pick up in uh, Genesis chapter 6 and read down through here, and, and, um, and then we'll go from there. Okay? When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord God said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the, on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men who were born of, of old, men of renown. And so just frankly, uh, we're not going to deal with that section because it's complicated and I just don't want to spend my time on it. I don't want to avoid it, so I want to acknowledge it. There's a lot of complication going on in there, but we're not going to get lost in that this morning. We're gonna, we we want to focus in Genesis on the bigger picture of what God is doing. And so God lets us know here um, what is happening. So verse 5, he says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. And so there's a lot in here. But I want to go back to verse 5. So over these 1,500, 1,600-year period, what is happening they are multiplying, which God told them to do. But something else that is happening? Man is downright evil. Evil. Basically saying, God, we don't care what you have to say. We're going to live our life our way. And so generation after generation, they got further and further and further and further from God. I mean, where else does it say? You know, and, and he says in verse 5, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart, it was badder than bad. It was, it was horrible. 
And so we can't miss that. And again, this progression has happened over centuries, that it continually has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. And so over these 1,600 years or 1,500 years, God has allowed man to make his or her choices. He was patient, waiting to see what man, and when I say man, women, children, you get the point. Let them all be represented here. What man was going to do. Were they going to listen to God? And again, as we think about God, he is merciful. He was and is slow to anger. Don't forget that. Slow to anger. During that period, he didn't step in and clean house. But there comes a point where God's justice kicks in. And so Genesis chapter 6 is that place that God, in his patience and long-suffering and mercy, comes to the place where he says, enough, enough. I mean, listen to these, these, these you know, uh, uh, you know um, zoom out for a second, you know, and one of the things that we hear in science and, and in our studies is, is what? That, that evolution has taken place. The ironic thing is, when you look at humanity, does humanity ever evolve better? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Left to ourselves, we get worse, and we get worse, and we get worse, and we get worse. We get less and less like God's design. And so again, what do we see here? We see that God gives freedom. He allows us to choose. He, he allows us to do that. And so what do we see about man? All mankind rebels. We want to make our own rules. All of us. All of us. We don't like it when someone tells us what to do. Because we have a heart problem. And so look in verse 6. God reveals himself. Look what he says about himself. And the Lord God, what does he say? Regretted that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him. He is, he is grieved at watching men and women that he loves so much and that they are running away from him. It grieves him. And so this is one of the, 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 the saddest moments in the Bible, you know. We see here that God's not some impersonal force. He's not like Star Wars. May the force be with That's not him. He is a person. He has feelings. And that's what he's revealing here. He is grieved over the rebellion 
and the sinfulness of humanity. And he comes to the point that he says, enough, I'm going to start over. Stand before you as a dad of four children, Leah, Caleb, Andrew, and Ryan. And I can't imagine ever pulling them into a room and saying, you know what? You kids are so bad. I wish you were never born. I wish I, if I had to do it all over, I, I wouldn't want you, I can't imagine ever saying or doing that because they were so bad. But that's the place God is in. Humanity is so bad that he is grieved. He is grieved that he made them. It's a sad day. And so God says in verse 7, So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. And again, this is where we can come back and say, well, I thought God is loving. He is. For 1,500 years, he waited. For 1,500 years, he waited on humanity to turn back around. That's God's love. That's God's goodness. And so if the story were to stop here, that's some pretty horrible, bad news, isn't it? I'm thinking in the Hickory Grove Good News Club, uh, Steve Burfield, every, every Thursday, he starts out the morning and he gives these examples. That's bad news, that's bad. He gives all these examples. They said, well, we're not here to talk about bad news. We're here to talk about good news. And all the kids cheer. It's great. And so that, that, is, that, is the, that is the worst news you can ever see. But see, this is the blessing about God. In the midst of however horrific it is, we have verse 8. And this is what we see about God. God is just. God is patient. He is slow to anger. And what we see most in this is that God is gracious. He's gracious. Look what he says next. Verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I'll read verse 9 too. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, because Noah, what does it say? He walked with God. And so the but here is the contrast of how bad it was, but Noah found favor with God. And so we saw this last week in Genesis. This isn't new. This is Genesis chapter 3 at the curse. And what did he say? God's grace rests on him. What did he say to the, when, he, when he cursed the serpent? There will be one he will crush your head. That was the grace of God. This isn't new. God's grace has always been the way that we relate to him. Always. Always. 
from the very beginning, from the first sin. God never expects us, well, you blew it, you knucklehead. You figure out how to get back to me. I love when someone laughs at my joke. Great. That's not, how, that's not what God does. God doesn't do that. I've got to be careful I don't get distracted. Um, and so what do we see here? We see that Noah, that God grieves, but also God is full of grace. God is full of grace. He shows grace to Noah. And so what is, what is grace? Grace is undeserved kindness. That's what grace is. Noah didn't deserve this. He found favor in God's eyes. God gave him something he could not earn. And this is part of what this whole book is about. This whole book is about that God is full of grace. He's full of grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, fast forward a, a bunch of years and we're... we're Paul writes it this way. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So hold on, don't go to the next verse. God's grace is about he has given to you what you can't earn. And he makes it very clear. It's not of your own. But see, this rubs us the wrong way. We know we have messed up with God, so we feel a responsibility that we have to do something to get it right. That's not how God relates with us. God relates with us through grace. And so that's what we see here that God looked over the earth and Noah was the only one who was willing to listen and to respond to God's word. And so that's why, that's why he uses them. And so I think most of you, you know the story. God said, you know what? Here's what you're going to do, Noah. You're going to build a huge boat. And because I'm going to destroy the earth with water. It's going to rain like no one has ever seen it before. And for the next 100 years, what did Noah do? Noah listened to God, and Noah believed God. And Noah and his family, they got to work. And so for the next 100 years, they started building the ark. Exactly. They started building the ark. And so again, this is, this is where we see God's patience. God said he was going to do this. And so he waits another 100 years. Anybody who says God's not patient and loving, they don't know him. They don't. And so we see this, that God, and, and this is what we see about God as well, 
that God always communicates. He doesn't just, show, he, he doesn't just do things without telling us what he's going to do. For a hundred years, he said, this is what's going to happen. And so, and again, we're not going to spend time unpacking the whole details of that. You can go back this week. I would encourage you to, to read Genesis 6, 7, um, and chapter 8. Um, but we're going to jump over to uh, Genesis uh, 7. We'll, 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 we'll read the Genesis 7, verses 20 through 23. A hundred years has passed, and again... Noah's righteousness is that he was willing to listen to God's voice and do what he said to do. And I guarantee you, you see the blueprint God gave? He didn't give a whole lot of direction. He gave enough. I'm sure they had a lot of questions. But what did they do? we got to figure this out. God's not going to ask us to do something that we can't do. And so a hundred years pass, and Genesis 7, look down to verse 20. It starts to rain. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds and livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth and all of mankind. Everything on dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. So what happens? Remember this, on the inside of the ark was all the animals and eight human beings. On the outside of the ark were women, were children, were men, were people that were healthy, were people that were crippled, young, old. Everything outside of the ark died. In the estimations, there were multiple billions of people. Multiple billions. So I want you to pull your piece of paper out. And what did you write on your piece of paper? What are some things that you put on there? Flood, water. Animals, 100 years of ridicule. Did anybody put on there the most horrific amount of, of, of complete death? Most of us, we forget that detail, don't we? Because it's not in our storybook. I mean, it is, but it's not. And so of all these billions of people, 
eight survived because they listened and they obeyed God. And they took his way. So what do we see about Noah's uh, righteousness? If you have your Bible, turn over to uh, 2 Peter, and I kind of got these things out of order here, but I think you'll get the point. And I think, Aaron, you kind of uh, mentioned it there. What was Noah doing for 100 years? Yes, he was building an ark. But Peter tells us what he was doing. 2 Peter 2, verse 5 says this says this, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness. What's a herald? Someone who proclaims. For a hundred years, Noah and his family built a boat, but they also proclaimed the grace of God. You can come in if you want to. He communicated who God was. He communicated what God was going to do. And so question for you. In his proclaiming of the good news of the gospel, how many people responded to his preaching? How many? Zero. Zero. Was, was Noah obedient and righteous? Absolutely. He did what God told him to do. Including building the boat, but including also continue to communicate my grace. You don't have to go through the flood. There is salvation if you're willing to listen to God. If you're willing to listen to God. So many of you in this room are doing the disciple journey. Right? And so what, all this week, what were our lessons on? Sharing Christ. Talking about his involvement in your life. And so... The question is for us, are we heralds of righteousness? Are we holding Jesus Christ up? We have the solution to the brokenness and the problem of this world. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so the question is, are we talking about how he's changed my life? Are you talking about how he, he is changing your life? Well, Steve, people don't want to hear that. <laughs> You're preaching to Noah today, okay? For a hundred years, he kept sharing the grace of God. And nobody, no one, zero, zippo responded but he obeyed God. And so the question to us, 
Are we going to obey God by talking about Christ? By talking about Christ. And I know as soon as I raise that, that brings fear into every one of us. Brings fear into me. The moment you hold up Christ, guess what? You're going to get a response. And a lot of times the response isn't kumbaya. Thank you. Right? They're going to say all kinds of things. And so this comes back to us. Are we going to be like Noah? Who was willing to be obedient even when there was zero tangible fruit. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be a pessimistic here. I'm raising the point, what is our responsibility as the church? Whose responsibility is it to tell others about Christ? Whose job? Is it the pastor's job? I have a responsibility, of course. Whose job is it to tell this world about Jesus Christ? Believers, the church, that's right. You know, the church in the sense of those who have placed their faith in Christ. Well, I don't know what to say. Yes, you do. You found Christ. So just tell them what you know. That's all you have to do. Well, I might not sound like you. doesn't matter. We all have excuses. All of us do. And you know what? It's easier to stand up here and to say it. But when you're in the midst and someone asks you a question, we have all kinds of fears. What if I don't have the answer? What if they trip me up? Satan loves it when we throw out our fears. He loves it when we allow our fear to stop us from holding Jesus Christ up. He loves it. I think if we're all to be honest, speaking to the believers in here, if we're all to be honest, we have growth room, don't we? I have growth room. I miss opportunities. Sitting in the basket, I don't feel like I don't feel like it. I would never say that out loud. It's just a thought in my heart. I'm here to watch my son play back. I don't want to talk to you. I don't say it like that. That's what I think. Steve, you willing to surrender? willing to let it go? And I know some of you work in hard workplaces. I know that. You work amongst people. You play pool with people. You go places. You have people in your family. They'll never set foot in a church. You're the church to them. You share Christ in a kind, grace-filled, truthful way. That's what our job is. God's job is to save people. We can't. Some of you might say, well, Steve, if I start talking about Christ, people are going to look at my life and I got all kinds of gaps. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes you a little more accountable, doesn't it? When you hold Jesus up and you know that you got some shortcomings, it kind of makes you get into the Word a little bit more, doesn't it? It kind of makes you Look at your life a little bit more. That's a good thing. Because the question for us is, 
is our life backing up what we say? And that doesn't mean we're perfect. When we blow it at work, are we the first ones to say, you know what, I'm sorry. I blew it. I lost it. I lost it. I'm embarrassed. Would you forgive me? That's sharing Christ. We're being humble enough and real enough. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and let me pray. God, we thank you so much for your grace, Lord. That is the whole message here, that you are gracious. And God, if you've convicted us here this morning, it's because you are good. And so, Father, help us to lean in to your goodness. God, help us to believe the truth. Help us to not believe lies this morning, God, I pray. God, I pray that we would have your heart, Lord Jesus. God, that we would be grieved over sin. That we wouldn't minimize it. We wouldn't excuse it away. But that we would be grieved over our sin. Sin around us. God, that you would make Zion. that listens to you and is obedient to you. God, that's what we want. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to have ears to hear and a will to obey. And in your name we pray. Amen.